Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 to 25, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Chapter 11, verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked upon their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews uh, were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill us, uh, kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, uh, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had several daughters, uh, had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father rule, he said, how is it that you've come home so soon today? They said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds and even, and even drew water for us and watered our flock. He said to his daughters, where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. And she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Verse 23, during those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. This is God's word. Uh, today, Minister Jeff will be continuing our sermon series on the book of Exodus, and his sermon is entitled, uh, God Hears, Remembers, Sees, and Knows. So let's just all prepare our hearts uh, for the word. Minister Jeff, over to you. Good morning. Uh, welcome again. We're so glad that you're able to join us for uh, this live stream worship service today. Every week, uh, we begin our worship service at 11.15 a.m. Uh, but some of you who, who join us a little bit earlier will, will see that the live stream and, and the Vimeo chat is up starting at 11 a.m. Uh, now, for these 15 minutes, uh, we're waiting, we're expecting the worship service to begin. Uh, in those 15 minutes, though, there's actually a lot going on behind the scenes. Uh, those of us serving, we, we get together on a conference call just to pray uh, for the worship service. You know, since I'm preaching today, I'm trying to make sure, uh, coordinate with the live stream coordinator, just to make sure that my microphone is working, that you guys can see me clearly. Uh, I'm trying to, sometimes I bump into the stand as I'm walking around in my office. I'm trying to make sure the stand is, is centered with the, the camera and with a bookshelf behind me. 
all of this is to say that uh, even though what you see on your screen uh, might just be the Crossbridge logo uh, or a message that says, you know, welcome and stay tuned. Uh, nevertheless, the people involved in putting the worship service together were very much aware uh, that there's people waiting for worship to start, especially when, you know, we encounter some issues very, very well aware, uh, you know, uh, that that people are experiencing technical difficulties and what this means is that our awareness also means that we're acting um, to make sure that you know all this uh, is resolved or we're making sure that worship can start so even though it may seem like there's not much going on you know, there actually is uh, now I mentioned this not because uh, to draw too much attention to you know our worship service or anything like that but it's just because, you know, likewise, this morning, our passage is making a very similar point about what's going on behind the scenes. Now, we've been working our way through Exodus, and in the very first sermon of the series, we saw that it, it took 400 years, 400 years to see the fulfillment of God's promise of descendants to Abraham. And now, the text said that the sons of Israel have become the people of Israel, but they're enslaved, they're in suffering to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And it might be, for, for some of us, it might be a little bit hard uh, to be aware of the, the passing of time as we flip through, or, or maybe for some of us, we, we scroll through uh, the pages of the Bible. Because with a, with a quick scroll or flip, we fast forward decades or centuries even without even noticing. For example, last week, uh, Moses was a baby. This week, Moses is 40 years old. Uh, and in a few chapters, and I think chapter seven, uh, when Moses returns to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, he'll be 80 years old. Uh, so very easy way to remember it, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in, the, in Midian, in the desert, and 40 years leading, leading Israel. And as Moses' story begins to unfold, a lot of time passes. Uh, the people of Israel, we see, continue to endure slavery, uh, to face suffering. And so it begs the question that this particular passage this morning is going to answer. Who is aware of the suffering of the people of Israel? Or, or does Israel's slavery and suffering go unnoticed? What we'll find today as we work our way through this passage is that Moses, on the one hand, Moses, who identifies with his people, though un unsuccessfully delivers them, he notices, he is aware. And in particular, God as well, he notices, he is aware. He remembers his promises and he acts on behalf of his people. And so like the 15 minutes before service starts where, you know, a lot is happening behind the scenes, these 15 verses as well this morning also make a similar point. A lot is happening behind the scenes of this stage of God's historical redemptive plan. And like how this passage ends, Israel's suffering does not go unnoticed. God is neither blind to their tears, nor deaf to their prayers, nor silent to their suffering. Or put simply, like the title of our sermon series, he hears, he remembers, he sees, 
he knows. Now, if you're just joining us this morning, welcome again. Uh, now is a great time to pull out your Bible. Uh, for our youth at home, I, I think Pastor Jen and Minister Taylor, they, they've been dropping off some of these uh, ESV scripture journals. So now's a great time to pull those out, grab your, your journals, grab those pens and highlighters, uh, and let's get to it. Our, our passage, again, is from Exodus chapter 2, 11 to 25. And so here's the first point that we've kind of hit on already. Israel's suffering does not go unnoticed. The passage begins like this, verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. So we find really quickly is that Moses sees the burdens of his people, verses 11 to 22. So let's unpack this statement. Let's figure out what's going on in this first verse. Moses, as we've seen, he's no longer that baby in a basket. He's uh, grown up. In fact, he hasn't just grown up. He, he is a grown up. He's been living in Egypt for many years now. And one day he goes out to his people. And he sees one of his people being beaten. Now, who is his people? It's not Egypt. Now, even though he became the son of Pharaoh's daughter, even though he probably grew up in, in the household of Pharaoh, it's not Egypt. It's the Hebrew people. Twice in one verse, the text is highlighting the fact that Moses is aligning himself with the people of God. And this gets juxtaposed against how the other characters in the biblical story this morning, how they see Moses. For example, the Hebrew people, they, they don't really seem to like Moses or accept him. Uh, they seem to tell him, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Which is uh, somewhat ironic because as these events unfold, we see God patiently preparing Moses to actually lead his people. So the, the, question to their, the answer to their question is, God, God made him a leader and a judge over them. The daughters of the, the priests of Midian as well. You know, they think Moses is an Egyptian as he goes in and, and saves them. But what does Moses think? Verse 22. You see, even though Moses had, had left uh, Egypt, even though he, he settled down with a wife and kid in Midian, he names his own son Gershon because he is a sojourner in a foreign land. There's a word play here. Uh, the Hebrew name Gershom sounds a lot like the Hebrew word for sojourner. So the point is that Moses uh, is aligning himself with his people, his people being Israel. And the New Testament authors, they emphasize this as well. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Or in Acts, as we see Stephen recounting to the Pharisees their own history. Acts 7, 23 to 29. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart 
that's Moses' heart, to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. Now Moses supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. And so what's, what's going on here in Exodus? Israel's suffering does not go unnoticed. Moses in particular, he, he's seeing the suffering, the burdens, the hardships, the challenges, the difficult lives, the burdens of his people. And in his case, you know, he tries to do something about it. Stephen, in recounting the events, sees Moses as understanding to some degree that, that maybe God's trying to deliver his people through his hand, but you know, it doesn't go so well because Moses, while he acts individually, he acts imperfectly, and he acts unsuccessfully to deliver his people Israel. This is kind of what happens when, when Moses is trying to take things into his own hands, when he's trying to deliver the people of God by the way of man. What ends up happening? Well, he ends up committing murder, which is not good. He has to flee, and at this point, he's away from Egypt, he's away from the people of Israel, and another 40 years will pass before we see deliverance come. So Israel's suffering doesn't go unnoticed. Moses sees the burdens of his people. He tries to save them unsuccessfully. Now, fortunately, this is not how our passage ends. I think the design pattern of this passage is calling us to juxtapose, to see Moses seeing the burdens of his people alongside God who sees the burdens of his people. Verses 23 to 25. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. We're switching gears a little bit now as we see that God now, he is fully aware of Israel's suffering. Twice in this verse, it's mentioning the fact that the reason for their groaning in their prayers, that, that this cry for rescue, it's because of their slavery. It's a slavery that continues to occur for those many days, the text says. So on the one hand, verse 11, if we go back a little bit earlier, verse 11, one particular day, Moses goes out, sees the burdens of his people. Then later on, during those many days of suffering, verse 25, God sees the burdens of his people. It's the same word, see, used here for both Moses and God. Now, what's happening here is that 
as the biblical narrative unfolds, it's setting the stage for God to act on his covenant with his people by patiently preparing an imperfect person, Moses, to act on behalf of his people, to deliver them. It's setting the stage for what's to come in the, the, the coming chapters. Uh, we see glimpses of this twice already in our passage as Moses stands up to save someone else, even if he doesn't, even if he does it in not the best way. He saves a Hebrew from being beaten. Later on, he, he swoops in and saves the daughters of Midian. Verse 17, these shepherds came and drove these daughters away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. Both occurrences we see are, are done by the hand of Moses. Imperfect in some ways, insignificant in other ways. But all the while, it's kind of pointing us towards when God will come in, will work through Moses to deliver his people on a much grander scale. See, not only will Moses come and just save one person, he's going to save the whole nation. He's going to deliver the whole nation out from under the, the, the oppression that's coming from Egypt. And, and this is because God remembers his covenant. He is faithful to his covenant promises with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 24. You see, the covenant there, the covenant is, I will be your God. And you will be my people. We have this relationship. And this covenant also includes those three Abrahamic promises, if you might remember back in Genesis. Descendants, land, blessing to the nations. Now, oftentimes, as we are working our way through Scripture, we, we read about God remembering his covenant. What's going on here, this word remember, uh, old uh, former professor of mine put it this way in one of his commentaries. To remember, it's not covenant recollection, as if he forgot, but covenant application. To remember, it's, uh, it's a Hebrew idiom that says, God is going to now honor the terms of his covenant. He's going to act on his word. He hasn't forgotten and it's not so much that he knows it cognitively, but God is going to do something now. Now is the time. And in this case, God, we see, is going to deliver his people, Israel, and he's going to use Moses. Moses, this man who identifies with his people, even though he's growing up in Egypt. Moses, who sees and uh, the same burdens of his people that God does. God is going to use him, even uh, even though he's imperfect, even though he tries to deliver the people of Israel or one man in his own imperfect ways. So again, the the question that this passage, passage asks is, you know, who's aware? Does Israel's hardship and suffering go unnoticed? No, it doesn't. Moses sees it. God sees it. And so put simply, and here's the second point. God knows. He is neither blind to your tears, deaf to your prayers, nor silent to your suffering. 
He hears, he remembers, he sees, he knows. Now remember, as Moses is writing Exodus and recounting all these events, he's probably writing to the second generation of Israel, right before they're going to enter into the promised land to fulfill that, that second promise to Abraham. You know, this is the generation that had grown up in the wilderness. And so Moses is writing to remind them of, of who they are, who God is, God's faithfulness to his people and his covenant promises, even before, right before they're going to enter this land and, and take this land, fulfilling the second Abrahamic promise. All this is a firm reminder of God's awareness of his people's plight, his application of the covenant promises, and his deliverance of his people from Egypt. Now for us today, what, what assurance might we have today from this passage? How do we know our suffering does not go unnoticed by God? How do we know that the hardships that we face because we live in a broken world, marred by sin? How do we know God cares that even if we can't see it, God is behind the scenes doing something. Well, first, we remember that, or we, we acknowledge that God remembers his promises. Now, it's important to be, for us to be specific in terms of what promises we're talking about. In re regards to the Bible, what promises are actually for us? You know, otherwise, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble when we believe that God has promised us one thing when he, ha he hasn't. And again, to remember means covenant application, not recollection. So for God to remember his promises means that God is acting on his word. He's showing himself to be faithful to what he says. Even if it's behind the scenes, you can't really see it right away. Even if it does take time, a lot of time as in the case of Israel. But we know, we know that God is faithful. What he says he will do, he will accomplish. We look to the example of Israel. Genesis 15, as God is making his covenant with Abraham. This is what he says in verses 13 to 16. Know for certain, he's talking to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So Israel will not suffer forever. They will not be in Egypt forever. We see the beginning of that in our passage today. God is faithful. God remembers his covenant. Now for us, what about the new covenant that we have now in Jesus Christ? What assurance do we have in the covenant promises that God gives to us because of Jesus? Here's a couple examples. One, our, our salvation is secure. 
John 10, 28 to 29, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So our salvation is secure. And God will, will hold to that. Another one, he will finish the good work in us. Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will come back. Jesus will come back. That is Acts 1.11. The angel said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, which is today, this is Ascension Sunday. Ascension Thursday was a couple of days ago, 40 days after Easter, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And lastly, an, another promise. When Christ returns, if our suffering had not already ended through one means or another, it will then. Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Suffering in the Bible, in a passage like the one we have today, ultimately redirects us to God as it redirected Israel back to God. Because God may give us more than we can handle, but not more than he can. So how do we know our suffering does not go unnoticed by God? This is the truth claim put to the test by this passage. The factors like the, the length of time and the severity of suffering that perhaps led Israel to question God's awareness. There are also the factors that sometimes might lead us to question God's presence when we endure hardship. What assurance then can we hold on to? As the passage kind of emphasizes, in part, it's this. God is neither blind to your tears, deaf to your prayers, nor silent to your suffering. Verse 25 pretty, puts it pretty aptly like this. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. The ESV translates the Hebrew pretty literally. Now, there's no direct object of what God knows. Simply, it simply states that God knew. Now, the skeptic in us might question, hey, you know, is that sufficient? No. But at the same time, our earthly experiences might say otherwise as well. Sometimes the most helpful thing that we can do when others are hurting is to show up, see them, hear them, remember and say emphatically, I know, I know. We find assurance in a God who is not distant, but personal, who knows. If I'm being a, a little facetious here, yesterday, my wife Yin had to work a 24 hour shift on her birthday. Uh, and so, you know, Friday night as she's a little bit upset or sad that she has to spend the uh, 24 hours you know in the hospital uh also grateful that she's able to care for the patients so all i could do is embrace her and say i know i know 
Now, because this is God we're talking about, um, not only does God know, but he can and will do something about it in his sovereign power and in his sovereign timing as he works through his people, however imperfect they may be. In this stage of salvation history, we're seeing the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham to be a blessing to the nation. And that's the Great Commission. And so secondly, how do we know? God prepares imperfect people to accomplish his promises. Last week, we saw in the passage three special women who, through their seemingly insignificant acts, saved the baby from an otherwise certain death. And this baby would be who God would provide to be a deliverer for Israel. I'm sure they could have, wouldn't have imagined that. Who, so who can God use to fulfill his plan of redemption? Anyone. Even those whose acts seemed insignificant at the time. And this week, not only can God prepare anyone, but he prepares imperfect people. Even someone who seems so perfect like Moses. Like in people like us to accomplish his promises. Missionaries, pastors, leaders, even lay members and church members, just simple followers of Jesus Christ who are living their life in obedience to Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission. God can use all of us. But ultimately, how do we know our suffering does not go unnoticed by God? How do we know that the brokenness that we experience because we live in a broken world, how do we know God is aware of that? How do we know that God has not forgotten his promises? Well, it's because God sends Jesus, one greater than Moses, to act on behalf of his people. Jesus is God's definitive answer to sin and suffering. Even in Stephen's speech in Acts 7, as he's pointing out that Moses is trying to save his people Israel and trying to deliver them and bring about deliverance, all that is said in a context of Stephen trying to point to the Pharisees of who Christ is. And Moses kind of sets the stage is, is a foreshadow of Christ. The author of Hebrews in chapter 3 sees Jesus as a greater Moses. Jesus is the one whom God sends to deliver his people from slavery to sin. Jesus uh, is the one who God sends to deliver this world, to reconcile this world. Because we see that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so we take solace and assurance and comfort in the truth that God has delivered his people from sin. And will deliver them fully when Christ returns. He hears, he remembers, he sees, he knows. Let's pray. God, we... Uh, we give you thanks again for your faithfulness, for your awareness, Lord, that you are a personal God, a God who hears us and sees us even as we are enduring hardships and brokenness. We pray continually for perseverance, for faith, for your provision and your sovereignty. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.